0: Hello, this is the Appray podcast. Before we get into it, just wanted to ask uh, a little favour. We'd love for you to support this podcast as a listener. And to do that, we would love for you very much to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yes, please do. And also, give us a little share. Tell your friends about us. You know how to do it. Just pass it on in a text if you want, whatever you want to do. Wang it across the socials and uh, just let everybody know about the Appray pod. Thanks.
0: Groveling over. On with the show. My name's Ollie Peart and... I am Tim Warwood. And this is the
1: Appray. It's the Olympic Day. Oh, it just, it's just a, it an can. absolute signpost of how tired I am. It's the Olympic Daily Special, number six. It's, it's day seven, though, is it? isn't it? it? Crumbs, that's how tired I am. Is it, is it it's episode six, though, right? Or day seven? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you messed the whole thing up because you fell asleep, blah, blah, blah.
1: Oh, that's why I've changed it from Daily Special to... Olympic special. I'm so clever. I'm like Spock from Star Trek. Clever.
0: Ah, oh, Nice in here today, isn't it? Nice. Lovely. Lovely. Wow, I like it. As the sun's crepuscular rays beam from the mountain, highlighting that Tim hasn't cleaned the windows in ages by the looks of things, and the cross-country skiers crash out on the finish line like a puke-covered hen on the streets of Cardiff. Myself and Tim have headed back to our Log Cabin podcast studio for a bit of a natter. How you doing, Tim? You alright?
1: Yeah, really good, thanks. Really good. Had an epic night in the commentary booth. Because I got to commentate, I got to witness firsthand, live, albeit from the studio here in Manchester, the best ever snowboard halfpipe final of all
0: time. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. I woke up this morning and I've seen one or two like little clips and photos knocking around, but I haven't seen it yet. But I have heard it was it was amazing. Paint us a picture, well, Tim. I want to know well, what it's like.
1: Yeah, I know that your social media followings, I know that you follow snowboarders and, and the industry and all that kind of stuff. So I know that the moment you open, open up Instagram, you're not going to be able to get away from it. Spoiler alert right now, if you don't want to know the results of the halfpipe, if some for some reason you haven't watched it yet, then turn off now. It was absolutely mind-blowing. We had the world's very best 12. There was quite literally nobody missing from the start list. The main stage, the showpiece, the halfpipe itself was nothing short of breathtaking. It was perfect. It looked like it had been chiselled from marble. It was so insane. There was no wind. It was set at the perfect time. It wasn't too cold. Everything was set. And it enabled the snowboarders to just go full ham. I mean... We just went berserk. We saw Damn. we saw the triple cork. So this is a trick that was only um, unveiled in competition in December. We saw the triple cork put down. We saw 16-year-old Val Caselli blasting to the moon. And then Kaishu Hirano, the younger brother of Ayumu Hirano, has done the world's biggest backside air. Records were broken. A 35-year-old, Sean White confirmed that he does indeed sleep in a cryogenic state at night. He rolled back the years to put down his best half-pipe run since the last Olympics. I mean, at one point, Sean White was second on the leaderboard and then the Australian Scotty James, he had his trademark red boxing glove mitts on. He came out swinging. He put down his biggest run yet, a run that again defied odds, 1440s, 1260s double cork you name it but the eventual winner the man taking gold upgrading those two silver medals that he had from Sochi and Pyeongchang he's come here and he's put down the best half pipe run of all time now just listen to this try and take this in if you can Ayumu Hirano drops in at full speed going faster than is legally allowed outside of any school in the UK Hits the front side wall on his toes and launches into the biggest front side triple cork 1440. Upside down three times. He performs his last flip whilst he's on his way back down into the half pipe. It's unbelievable. Three and a half rotations. He then goes into a switch 1440. Double cork. So he goes upside down Mm. twice in this one. He then does... A twelve sixty, then another twelve sixty, and for his final hit, he goes back to the fourteen forties. He carries so much speed through the halfpipe; he's able to get in one more fourteen forty. This time with a tail grab at the bottom, and it just blew everyone's minds.
0: It's astonishing, isn't it, how much it's sort of progressed? I mean, even in the last sort of you know in the last ten years. I mean, I I, I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait to see it. I think it is worth taking a little moment though for you know sean white because it is his last games and regardless of what you think about him for snowboarding at least he's done a lot like I, I, i mean you might hate him and a lot i know that there will be people listening going oh fuck off what are you talking about but he made people that weren't necessarily into snowboarding he got them into it he inspired them to get into it and i think we don't give him enough credit for that
1: me and Ed did the geekiest thing ever last night. Now, we love a stat, me and Ed. So we trawled back through YouTube. We went and we re-watched every Olympic final. And we wrote down the tricks that all the riders did. We then took those rotations, added them together and divided <laughs> the rotation by the amount of hits they were getting to give us a spin average in the winning pipe run from each of the finals. Now listen to this. Jan Simon in Nagano. He had a 283 degree spin average on his run. Ross Powers in Salt Lake City, 2002. He ups the spin average to 360 degrees. Of spin average over his run, then we get the Sean White factor. Sean White comes in with the double corks in two thousand and six. The spin average goes from three hundred and sixty jumps to seven hundred and fifty degrees per run per per hit is the spin average. Then in Vancouver, twenty ten, he got his second gold medal. Little little jump up here. It jumps up to seven ninety two. Then we see iPod start to push it. He pushes Sean really hard iPod, Iluri Padlachikov, actually wins the gold in Sochi in a very terrible pipe. But still, the spin average goes up. It goes up to 864 degrees of spinning per hit. But listen to this. 2018, at 31 years of age, Sean White in Pyeongchang comes in. And the spin average jumps to 1188 degrees of spin per hit. Now, 2022, Ayumu Hirano upgrades those two silver medals to a gold and the spin average listen to this his spin average okay bear in mind he's doing five hits in the pipe is a whopping 1,368 degrees of spinning per hit do
0: you know what for two men who are uh, away from their families for long periods of time it's quite nice to hear you doing something else other than sitting alone in your hotel room wanking so good on you
1: (laughs) We do other things. We do do other things.
0: <laughs> Tim, I've got some um got some curling curling bits for you. Curling. Yeah, come on. Uh, you know, we like we did rubbish, things,
1: didn't, we? didn't we? Did we do rubbish on the British man? Mm, yeah, robin, well, what was the come on?
0: We, fill we, me in. Women's round robin. We've got the results from that against Korea this morning. Seven nine. So we lost that to Korea, which Ooh. is a real shame. Korea were really good i was actually watching some of that this morning and they were very very good but when i was listening to the commentary of that uh, i heard that if you want to get into curling right pretty much you need to live in scotland so they got 21 rinks where you can go and do curling right in scotland whereas in the what? uk whereas in england there's one there's one and it's in like tunbridge wells or something that's what the guy said so if, if you want to get into curling you don't stand a chance but we've had our first curling question tim on instagram at the Appray pod from daniel no foster way. yeah he, and daniel foster he says he says loving the daily Olympic chat thanks daniel keep it up got thanks, a question daniel. for the oracle of curling i think he's referencing me there um, <laughs> definitely he's, he, he's asked what are the little green lights that come on on the stone oh. and then turn off again i don't remember seeing them at previous games No, I don't.
1: And I asked Ed the exact same question yesterday.
0: Did he know the answer?
1: He did. Let's see if it aligns with yours. Go on.
0: Well, there's not just a green light on the on the stones. There's a oh, green and red light on the stones. That obviously signals good and bad, surely. It, it obviously does. You see, you're very intuitive on these things. It's basically it's a tracking system. So it's to make sure that the athletes release the stone before they get to what's called the hog line. The hog line is basically that red line. It's like the hockey in darts, right? You can't you can't hold the stone beyond that. And if you do, the red lights come on and the way that it works which just seems really bonkers to me i would just think there's a real simplistic a, a far more simple way to do this there's a heat sensor embedded into the ice which is triggered if the hand is still on the handle right surely there's another way of doing it like it just seems oh, so complicated you've got sensor. this like you've got this this sport which originated in Scotland in the 1600s and all of a sudden it's got like this mad like heat sensor underneath the eyes it's like come on just have a bloke in a kilt to the side just checking it to make sure it's all right anyway there you go daniel i hope i've answered your question for you is that what ed thought i think
1: he's just a bit more rudimental with his answer he said something along the lines of uh, yeah it's just to make sure you let go before the line didn't know the full geekonomics of it like you do that is wicked
0: yeah of course he didn't because he's not the oracle of curling
1: who's that zoe zoe who it's Zoe Geelings Briar! Let her in, Ollie. Hey. Hi, hi.
0: Hey Zoe. Make yourself at home. Come in. Put your feet up. Look who it is. Hello.
2: <laughs> hi.
0: Right, so... I'm Ollie. We've never met before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hi Ollie.
0: Take
1: your shoes off though. Kick kick the snow off, because this carpet's new and and we don't want snow trampled all over the floor.
2: There's some nice powder out there, yeah. yeah. You want as much as we can outside, but you don't want it inside. It's nice in here. Cozy. <laughs> I, I
0: like that you're looking around admiring our log cabin
1: yeah me too she actually genuinely was listener having a good good old look around ollie we've got a real true life olympian our first ever olympian on the show that's good isn't
0: it yeah that's absolutely incredible because uh typically olympians avoid us at all costs so i don't i don't i don't quite know what zoe's doing here i mean so zoe
1: fill everybody in then what are you doing up here you've been kind of backs behind the scenes with me haven't you you've been doing some bits up here what have you been up to
2: Yeah, so I've been uh, working with the BBC talking about the border cross events, basically. So we had the women's the other day, and then we had the men's yesterday, and then we've got the team event tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, just been kind of filling everyone in on the the kind of, yeah, how it all works and uh, what the riders are trying to do and why on earth that person's taking that line, because that looks really weird, and, uh, yeah, just kind of explaining it all.
0: Border cross, it's one of those things that's kind of, Every time the Winter Games is on, it, it just sort of captures everybody's imagination, doesn't it? There's no, there's no racing equivalent, I don't think. I can't work out in what other sport, and me and Tim were talking about this yesterday, you would have all four competitors in the lead at one point during the race. What do you love about it?
2: <laughs> when I was competing, my favourite courses were the ones like this one here, where you can pass I was bored to death with courses where if you're in the lead from the start, then you were going to win. I thought those were really dull. And plus, I was never very fast at the start, to be fair. So if I didn't have the opportunity to pass, I was a bit doomed. Um, So, yeah, I think they've done really well with the course here because it is one of those courses where you have no idea who's going to win. Someone could be a bunch of seconds in in advance at the start and you still have no idea. Because, yeah, as you said the other day, there was just so many passes. I think it makes it really exciting when that's the case. Is it
1: frustrating because you spent you spent years doing um, events and obviously traveling the globe? D- is it frustrating to you that the public kind of gets so engrossed for for almost three or four days of a year every four every four years? Um, do you? It's the kind of thing. It could actually be a bit like X Factor. You have a sixteen week run up to Christmas. You could do the same with border cross, couldn't you?
2: Um, I used to get a bit frustrated by it, but then I kind of. I then just accepted that that's kind of what happened. So I knew to anticipate it every three, four years that there was going to be the interest in it. And then it was going to wane and it wasn't going to be shown on TV as much in between times. And then when the Olympics get comes around again, it's like, all right, get ready for everyone to get interested in motocross <laughs> again. Because people just they, just, they just don't see it. They don't know what it is until it comes on the screen for the Olympics. Oh, what's this? I've never seen this before. Like every time.
0: But what's yeah. it like actually in the season when you're sort of racing and it's not on the olympics do people go along and watch it like what is the atmosphere like because i think it's easy to forget in when you're living in the uk that actually the sort of the winter sports calendar is unbelievably popular when you talk about like uh downhill skiing and that kind of thing you still get the crowds i know we've had covid and that kind of stuff but you still get in the crowds there they're still cheering on but we're obviously not used to that because we don't have mountains that we can go and visit and watch these things but do you get do you get lots of people spectating throughout the season pre-COVID I'm talking
2: about? Yeah, you can do. I mean, obviously with COVID, everything's different. But yeah, normally you can do. It depends on the course. It depends on where it is. If it's if it's a, a, like a little mountain and the course is sort of, you know, halfway up the mountain, off the side, away from the piece and everything, then you, you, you only get a few people watching. But if it's like the end of the course is near sort of the, the like the town centre of like the mountain village, or especially if it's a night event, Sometimes we get night and they're especially popular with, uh, with spectators because people go to work in the day, they'll finish it and then they'll like go back and let's go watch this Border Cross event. So those are usually the ones that have got the biggest crowds.
1: I don't what- so, um, right, enough about Border Cross. We know you were dead good at that. Um, representing Team GB, really good, but... I want to know what you find more difficult. Do you find it more difficult standing there and doing live television? Have you found it being live on camera, being grilled by the likes of Claire Balding?
2: Um, it's been good, actually. I don't think I've said anything too stupid. <laughs> 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 I, I tell you what, the hardest thing was actually finding something appropriate to wear because I oh, like really? I spend my days in like jeans and trainers, which for some reason you can't wear on TV when you're like with Claire Balding. <laughs>
0: One of the th- things that sort of uh, caught lots of people's attention is Amy Fuller's coat, which she got from twenty 20- for twenty-five quid in some Leeds market. I think the pressure—serious
1: no question, though—we talk
0: about TV. Somebody TV described day.
1: Amy Fuller on social
0: media as a young Pat Butcher. <laughs> god. No, but this is the thing that this is the thing that highlights, right? How much pressure there is, particularly on women on their appearance, right? Because you have to go and you're thinking about that. You've actually brought that up. Like, what am I going to wear next to Claire Boulding? What am I going to wear? I don't know if you've seen Tim and Ed strolling into the studio to do their little bits on BBC one in the morning, but both of them look like shit. They turn up like they've just rolled out of a bin, right? And they don't think about that stuff and they're not going to get any criticism for it either. Like, do, do you think it's a bad thing that you have to worry about that? Or do you kind of, are you like, add, you know what, I actually quite like thinking about things like
2: that? Uh, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I would, I I didn't appreciate when I was an athlete how easy it was. You could just wear your team's UV tracksuit. It was yeah. simple as, was like, there was like, there's nothing to to think about. Um, whereas, yeah, it's a lot more complicated. I thought about wearing high heels, because most of the girls are wearing high heels, obviously, whereas I'm in flats, because I cannot walk in high heels. And I thought, yeah, they might look a bit better, but it's not worth falling flat on my face on live TV. So I'm just <laughs> not going to the rest.
0: I mean, it's worth it for us. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those kinds of pressures on women in particular just seem so uh, just completely inappropriate.
2: How much longer are you doing, uh,
0: doing the coverage? How much longer are you up in Manchester for doing all that?
2: So I've got the Team Snowboard Cross, which is tomorrow. Um, and then that's it for the snowboard cross event so uh, I get to go back to my family I get to go see my, my two year old and my five year old and get jumped on
0: nice I like it What what's your prediction for the team border then are you have you got have you got any predictions who's going to take the medals
2: ooh, ooh, who knows I mean this course is even slightly more unpredictable than the others um, and it's the first time that team border cross has ever been in the Olympics so that adds like an extra bit of excitement to it I love team border I think it's awesome and I love the fact it's now a mixed event as well The guys and the girls competing together. Um, Who's going to pull I don't know. France are pretty strong. America. um, Canada should be pretty good as well. It it could be a bunch of people, really. I mean, GB are in. Uh, They're not one of the favourites, but uh, you never know what's going to happen, so they could pull something out of the bag.
0: On on Charlotte Banks, actually, because she she moved from France to Team GB, didn't she? When
2: why would she have
0: done that? What what was the, what's the reasoning for doing that? I always wonder, and I don't know if you've got any sort of insider knowledge on that.
2: Um, <laughs> I might don't have some insider knowledge. Don't answer it's it, well, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so in in France she was one of a big team, whereas in GB she's one of a smaller team, so she can get more specialised attention and things can be, can be moved around more and be more flexible to work for what she needs. Um, and it's worked for her. I mean, her results since she's come to GB have been way better than they were for France. So it's obviously, it was a good decision. And we're happy to have her
0: For sure, yeah.
1: Well, listen, before we do actually let Zoe go out into the cold... You know, we said earlier about this only comes around once every four years, and people fall in love with this sport. and How can I get into it? And how can I do it? Zoe has a program where she actually helps people get into board across racing.
2: I do, I do. I run um, Inspire Snowsports, and we help kids and adults. I think our youngest person this year is eleven, and the oldest is thirty six. Um, all Ollie, the way. hope are... for you yet. <laughs> yeah, join us <laughs> why not yeah yeah i'm 30 i am 36 yeah yeah so <laughs> <Fingers> <laughs> so, am I, <laughs> so am i actually oh, <laughs> right. Um. so yeah so we help like all the way from beginner snowboarders up to europe cup level competitors all the way through we don't do world cup at present Um. so we're kind of like a feeder program to the to the gb snow sports world cup program when they get to world cup level they 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 move on to there but yeah if anyone is interested in border cross just look up either my name in zoe Gillings or inspire snow sports and you can find out all about it
0: there we go nice one it sounds so good it sounds that's such a like to even put to put your time into that because that's the thing with snow sports just generally they're just not accessible are they like i mean they're so difficult for people to get into and to participate in generally and like any way that we can make that easier and better is always a good thing so kudos to you man that's awesome absolutely
2: in my opinion it's the best sport in the world so give it a go and
0: you'll love oh, it. it well she's nice. right it is the best sport in the
1: world far none
0: well I hate to boot you out but go on sling, sling your hook get your jacket on <laughs> off you go <laughs> back out back, back out in the snow where's back my hot chocolate to... Tim? Yeah, Tim come on yeah. put it in the thermos uh, uh, hot chocolates. Oh, I'll get it it's on the way it's on the way
2: <laughs> okay. see you Zoe nice. thanks. So thanks so much it looks really cold out there you sure
1: <laughs> no you'll be fine go on go 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 see you guys
2: see you guys bye bye <laughs>
1: Well, Ollie, coming up, believe it or not, more curling, 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 curling. The men's round robin at midday. Then Skeleton starts getting fast and slippery downhill on the trays. Men in speed suits. That's from 12.20. And we've got mixed snowboard cross. Men and women battling it out, working as a team this time. It's going to be very, very good. And, of course, Everything to catch up on iPlayer now I'm not I'm not this is uh, not a BBC affiliated podcast but it's all there to re-watch when you want to no it's not
0: a BBC affiliated podcast as much as we've tried uh Timmy should we do a let's uh, let's do let's do, let, let, let's do the jingle I've got a different version today um here we go it's Timmy's predictions, Timmy's, ba- predictions. Pa- it's Timmy's pra- predictions, Timmy's predictions, Timmy's predictions, Timmy's predictions, Timmy's predictions, Timmy's predictions, Timmy, 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 Timmy Timmy's, Timmy's predictions. Timmy's predictions. <laughs> 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 prediction,
1: <laughs> it's going to be a big 24 hours, actually, in the World of Olympics. The men, the GB men are not doing very well, are they? Mm. Not doing very well at all. I feel quite sorry for them. I was going to predict them for big things. And in fact, what I'm basically figuring out is that whatever I predict... Um, it goes the opposite way. What I will say is actually, and I don't know when this is, so this prediction's a little bit rubbish, but it's a little bit like Mystic Meg. I'm thinking a little bit down the line, but we've got Lloyd Wallace taking part in the aerials. Now, ski aerials is ridiculous. It's like somebody has been fired out of a cannon. You will not believe how big the skiers go. It's when they fly down with no poles and they hit the vertical ramps and, go, and they do like four flips and five spins. Anyway, Lloyd like absolutely and then they land on a really steep hill it's done at night under the lights the olympic champion has tested positive for covid so it's wide open and like i say we've got lloyd wallace and i want lloyd to do really really well i think a medal is too much of a big ask but i will say this i predict lloyd will make the finals
0: oh that'd be great if he did lloyd's he's such a such a lovely bloke as well really really you've had him on your radio show haven't you 've I've spoken to Lloyd before, yeah, and he's just really lovely just got all the time in the world for everyone, so yeah, best of luck, Lloyd. I really hope it works out for you, and you get into that final. It'd be amazing if you did uh, medal standings as they are right now we've got uh, Germany in first place, Norway in second, Austria in third, ah oh, the u s in fourth, and the Netherlands in fifth. It's all the usual culprits, really, and apart from maybe Russia and China, I would expect them to be a little bit higher up the table. But we're still not... We still haven't meddled yet, Tim. And and actually, I don't know when that opportunity might present itself. I don't know if we will medal in these games. And I don't know. You Maybe you know a little bit more about this than I do. And perhaps it's something that we should speak about in a few more days. But what does that mean for Team GB? You know, if we don't get a medal, we've spent all this money on the athletes and you know giving them the training programs that they've got that kind of thing it raises some serious questions about where that investment's going and how it's been spent and i don't want to get into the politics so much because it's not the podcast for that but it is interesting isn't it what does it mean for snow sports in the uk in the future it
1: means nothing that's the journalist in you you're always looking for the bad side i'll tell you what it means it means absolutely nothing because all that money's provided us the viewing public with some incredible moments we've had people out there Ollie! They wasted four hundred billion pounds on a blue room at Downing Street for God's sake! I don't mind him giving thirty-six grand to a guy to slide down an ice track at fifty miles an hour. Like that's way better. If they don't bring a medal home, that's absolutely fine. We'll get one in the next games. Absolutely fine. You've you've won me
0: over. <laughs> Right, well, thanks for listening. That's the end of today's show. We will be back tomorrow, of course. If you want to get in touch with us, you can on email theaprepod at gmail.com or alternatively, you can get us on Instagram, which is what Daniel Foster did, and ask us all kinds of questions.
1: Yeah, and also, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by giving us a share, help us grow this podcast, spread the word, let everybody know about us and what we're doing. You know how to find us, what to do. Just click the little, I don't know, it might be an eagle on your phone or it might be a, a... A piece of paper folded up as an aeroplane. But just give us a share, let everybody know about the Apare pod. Thank you. See you tomorrow.
2: Bye.